0: The worthy, sacrificial life is lived with victory in Jesus. That statement almost seems odd today, doesn't it? With everything that our communities and our nation and our world have been through over these last uh, few months and perhaps especially over these last uh, few weeks and days. We see so many challenges that distress us, that um, tempt us, that um, scare us, honestly. The COVID-19 pandemic continues, and we are grateful that the Lord seems to uh, be taking us through that and out of that to where the... um, The fears and the threats are not as great now as they have been, but we also know that that is still going on. And so out of concern for ourselves and for our neighbor, uh, we continue to uh, practice wise and considerate uh, actions to help stem that tide even further. We were horrified at the video of the death of George Floyd and... um, Whatever else comes to light in the investigations that are ongoing and that will continue, and I know other things will come to light in that, um, whatever they show, there can be no justification for the actions of those officers uh, that had a part in his death that day. And whatever else happens and whatever else we learn about that incident, It's not going to change the fact, I believe, that um, if they hadn't done that, he would still be alive, and that if he were white, they wouldn't have done that. We also think about the riots that are going on in response to that and to years of difficulties that many of our American fellow citizens created in the image of God have faced. And whatever else comes to light in that, whatever else we learn about all of those investigations, there is no justification for what is going on. There's absolutely no way you can justify the destruction of property and the assault and even murder and looting that we've seen going on over these past um, several days. And I know there will be a lot of things that will come out about this, but there can be no justification for those actions, just like there can be no justification for the actions of those officers that day. And yet in the in the midst of that, we've been able to watch um, a successful space launch uh, yesterday. Uh, We've learned over these last several months that there's a lot about this world that we can't control and even NASA learned that we can't control the weather (laughs) last week. And yet today um, another great milestone was met as the SpaceX uh, was uh, connected with the space station and the launch that we were able to see yesterday was simply amazing and magnificent. There's a lot that's wrong in our world, there's a lot that's wrong in our communities, Um, there's a lot that's wrong in our churches, but there's also a lot that's right and for those things we're grateful and we're grateful that God has called us to to be a part of solutions and to be a part of bringing um, the grace and mercy and love of Christ to a world that needs that so desperately Because as we've said today, as we've sung today, as we'll say in this message today, Jesus is the only way that we can get to that peace. He's the only way that we can um, find that connection with each other that we were created uh, to have. Even secular studies show that having genuine religious beliefs and being involved with the church helps. (laughs) Now, Paul is very clear in 1 Corinthians 15 that if it's just for this life that we have our hope and there's no resurrection, that ain't enough, and let's all go home. <laughs> and to those of you that are at home already, just turn it off if that's the case. <laughs> but the resurrection did happen, and it is true, and we do have hope of heaven but we also realize that though this world is not our eternal home, this world is our home right now. And just as God does, we care deeply for our home right now. Our, our land, our earth, our communities, our nation, and our world. And so we, we want to help. But again, studies have shown that with everything, that all the difficulties that we have going on, that having belief, Um, in God and being involved with the church even the secular studies will say that helps it doesn't take away all the anxiety and all the depression and all the difficulties and so we want to acknowledge that when you need professional help get it absolutely if you have a broken leg go to a medical doctor and if you're experiencing difficulties with anxiety and depression and other mental health issues then go to the doctor (laughs) absolutely absolutely but well, what we've seen is that it helps to have a church family, and it helps to have a deep faith in Christ. There was a, a recent study that was published um, uh, a while back, and last week there was an article in the Federalist that spoke of that uh, study, and it was a study out of uh, Duke University, and um, uh, a man by the name of Dr. Harold Koenig uh, led that study and and shared some thoughts about that, and. He explained that those who hold faith are likely to experience less anxiety under the current pandemic than secularized persons. People with religious faiths are not grappling with this by themselves, he said. People who have faith are going to experience less anxiety because they're not carrying that entire burden of stress on their own. They have help. And guess what? 2,000 years ago when God brought Jesus into this world to die on the cross for our sins as we have celebrated, he knew that we needed help. He knew that we couldn't go through this by ourselves. And that's why we have the church. That's why it's so important for us to connect with a church family. And we're so grateful for the internet and for the online technology and for uh, gifted uh, men and women who help us to be able to, to do that and to broadcast that. And so many have shared on, in that way. We all shared in that way for several weeks, and now we're beginning to uh, come together in a physical way as well. And what a great blessing that is. And we're excited about the uh, thought of all being together again. Because I think if there's one thing that this pandemic and our response has reminded us of, it is that we need each other. And we don't just need each other to know that we are there. We need each other to be able to look at and to see and to uh, shake hands with and to rub elbows with. And those those are valued things that are a part of the church. Granted, we don't know what all of even that's going to look like in the years ahead, but we do know this. We do know that we need it, and we do know that we will be able to once again share in that. The worthy, sacrificial life is lived with victory in Jesus. We've spoken over the last few weeks about the, a worthy life lived to honor the sacrifice, not to earn it, not to deserve it, but to honor The sacrifice that was paid for us. And we've spoken about a sacrificial life. That to live worthy. To live in a way that honors the sacrifices of Jesus. Means that we sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others. Just like he did for us. And so we're willing to do that. And we joyfully do that. Because we don't think about the sacrifice that we're making. As much as we think about the sacrifice that was made for us. The worthy sacrifice sacrificial life is lived with victory in Jesus. So as we close out this short three-sermon series from Colossians 1 on a victorious life today, I want us to look at Colossians 1 verses 21 through 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death To present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Well, I want us to look at four things about these verses this morning. First of all, the old life. The old life is alienated from God. And that's the first verse that we read, Colossians 1 verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And that wasn't God's vision. When God created humanity in the book of Genesis in chapter 1, he created us in his own image. And he created us in order that we might have relationship with him and relationship with each other. And then we lost that. We alienated ourselves from him. But we did that. That was not his desire. That was not his vision. That's not what he wanted. We did that. And we did that by our behavior. We did that by turning away from Christ. Turning away from the will of God. And that is the old life. It's the old life that we all share. And in that old life, we were helpless to change our situation. We could have kept the situation as it was by continuing to live faithfully in the eyes of God and and faithfully in our love of neighbor, but we chose not to. And so because of that, we alienated ourselves from God. Two passages of scripture that go along with these verses that we're looking at today from Colossians 1 are the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2 and Titus chapter 3 verses 3 through 8. And they both begin just like this passage begins. They both begin by saying, we were dead in our sins. We were alienated from God. We were without hope. We had no issue that we could handle to change that condition we were dead in our sins that is the old life alienated from God but thankfully we don't have to stay there there's nothing we could do ourselves to get out of that so God had to act and the good news of the gospel is God acted he did he didn't have to but he did and so the next verse in Colossians 1 verse 22 tells us about the new life reconciled to God. Colossians 1 verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. A couple of things about that. Number one, that idea of reconciliation means that we were once at odds and now we're not. We were once alienated from each other, and now we're together again. And that's the idea of being reconciled. And just as Ephesians 2 and Titus 3 says, we didn't do anything to make that happen. God had to act, and he did. When we were dead in our sins, God made you alive, Paul says in Ephesians 2. Through Jesus Christ, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, that too is the gift of God. Titus chapter 3 speaks about that response of faith, that, that washing of rebirth and regeneration and renewal through the Holy Spirit. And so we realize that response of faith, coming to faith, to believe in Jesus, confessing that faith, turning away from our life of sin and repentance and being baptized into Jesus Christ. Being cleansed by the blood of Jesus to receive that victory. Because he plunged beneath that cleansing flood, as we'll sing about later. All of those things are a gift. We can take no credit for those things. We cannot point to our response of faith even and say, see, that's why I'm saved. That's not why we're saved. We're saved because the blood that Davy talked about, of the Lamb of God, that we remembered as we partook of that bread and partook of that cup. That's what saves us. That's what makes that response of faith possible. As our shepherd, Ken Culpepper, shared, it is Christ's blood that takes away the stains of sin. And that is exactly right. We do not, and yet he does. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And that great passage Davy mentioned in Romans 8 tells us that in such a great, incredible way. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we have been reconciled to God. We were alienated because of our action, and we have been reconciled to God because of His. Reconciliation brings us back together again, and it is God that reconciled us. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away, and now I sing a brand new song. What? Amazing Grace. Why? Because Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. We were alienated from God. And then God in Christ Jesus reconciled us to himself. And third this morning, there is the call. The call is to persevere in hope. You see, the story doesn't end at our salvation. The story, first of all, calls us to persevere and to persevere in hope. The first part of Colossians 1 verse 23 talking about being uh, saved and reconciled and free from accusation, verse 23 begins by saying, If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So a couple of things about that. First of all, it's possible to do that. It's possible to move away from the hope. We can be alienated from God and then reconciled back to God because of the blood of Christ and then choose to move away again. And I believe that that's why the New Testament is written. I believe that's why the church exists. Again, why? Because it's, it's better for us to be able to live the life of faith and hope and love and joy together rather than separately. To be able to have one another, whether it's online or whether it's in person, to be able to have that connection and that relationship for which we long. We have a call to persevere in hope and we need each other to help us do that. That's that great statement in Hebrews chapter 10 that talks about why we assemble together together that states unequivocally we assemble together so that we can stir one another on to do what Paul tells us to do here. To persevere in hope, to continue to do love, and to do acts of good and acts that help. And so those verses in Ephesians 2 and in Titus 3, those passages both end in very similar ways after talking about how we were dead in our sins and then talking about how God made us alive in Christ Jesus. They both end by saying we're God's workmanship in Ephesians 2. We're God's uh, creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do good deeds. They don't save us, but that's how we live now that we've been saved. And in Titus 3, Titus reminds us that we are to live a life of doing good and helping and serving. We are to live the life that is worthy, the life that is sacrificial, the life that's lived in victory. Even the remainder of the book of Colossians, especially that that great passage in the first half of Colossians 3, speaks about having our minds set on things above and not on things of this earth. Why? Because it's not just the alienation that has changed. It's our whole life purpose and mission. We're no longer living just for ourselves. We want to live to honor the one who gave us life, who reconciled us. And everything we say and in everything we do, Colossians 3 verse 17 says, we do it to honor God and Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us. There is the call to persevere in hope, to live a life of faithfulness and joy, but it doesn't even stop there because it doesn't stop with us. And perhaps this last point is the most vital in our communities, and in our country, and in our world today. And that is that there is a mission, the mission to spread the gospel. That verse 23 continues on and ends with these words. This is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. You know, for years, when I would look at that passage, I would say, well, does he mean that every living person in the world, no matter where they're living in the world, a lot of whom he didn't even know about, have heard this gospel? And I can go off chasing that rabbit and having that discussion, and I can argue both sides of that and totally miss the point of what was just said. (laughs) Here's the point of what was just said. People are hearing the message of Christ. It's getting out there. And you say, oh, well, sure, Bill, of course they could get out because they they had such an easier time with that than we do today. Excuse me? (laughs) Really? Because they were being beaten and flogged and imprisoned and put to death for their faith. They had no wonderful means like the Internet. The written word uh, could not be so easily transferred on and yet that mission to spread the gospel was being met Paul said hey look it's out there people have heard the message of Christ the mission is to spread the gospel this great statement at the end of Colossians 1 verses 28 and 29 which has become my personal mission statement through the years we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. If you're looking at the newest version of the NIV, you're thinking, I guess Bill memorized that in a different version. Well, it was the NIV. It was just a little older edition. (laughs) But the words are the same. We proclaim him. Why? Because he is the only one that can reconcile us, and he has done that, and we want to get that message out there. Our 2020 vision that has (laughs) kind of uh, taken a back seat to some other things, although not completely, because in the midst of all the difficulties of this year, 2020, and again, uh, apologies to all of you wonderful graduating seniors. Uh, Wow, how fun is that? Um, That mission is still the same. It is to look up to God and to grow spiritually. It is to reach in to one another and, and love and service and unity and help. But that mission is also to grow out, spreading the word, sharing the gospel, growing numerically, expanding the kingdom. That's what we're to be about. And was there ever a time... When our world didn't need that message of Jesus more than right now today we're so divided, we're so polarized we're so threatened and in Jesus Christ those things may not completely go away because the world is always going to be the world but our response to them can be better and the faith and hope and joy that we live with can be better we can live That victorious life. As Danny shared earlier, as we began, what can only come through Jesus is that peace that surpasses all understanding, as Paul said. That peace that doesn't mean the absence of difficulty and the absence of conflict, it just means the presence of Christ in the midst of it. That peace where everyone is heard and no one is hurt. What a great way of saying that, brother, and that's exactly what we pray and act and try to live in our world today and so a reminder of this little series as we close today as disciples of jesus we are called to live faithfully we're called to live faithfully and over these past few weeks what does that look like it's a worthy life faithful though imperfect it is a sacrificial life, following the example of the sacrifice of, cross, of Christ, who said, I want you to take up your cross, denying yourself and following after me. And that leads us to a victorious life. Only through Jesus Christ can that happen. Certainly doesn't happen in the world and in our circumstances in the world. But no matter what those are, in Jesus Christ, we have victory. In Jesus Christ, we have peace and we have joy. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. That's the great song that we sing now. That's the great hope that we have. That's the great victory that we share. And if we can help you come to that victory in Jesus, come as we stand, sing our song together.